Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge, five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. Look, just because you're in pain doesn't mean everyone around you is trying to take advantage of you. So look, a couple uh, days ago, uh, one of my advisors and I were on a call with a gentleman who had reached out to us, wanted help, wanted to jump into our Thrive program, was struggling on the financial side. So we talked through everything and made a deal with him. Um, and this was after multiple conversations, right? This wasn't like we, that was the first time we talked to him. We pressured him into to buying and, and whatever, but made a deal with him and like gave him some really good uh, flexible terms um, to to join the program. And uh, the next day uh, he, he talked to his family and they said we were a scam and they said we were trying to rip him off. And he said he felt disrespected and taken advantage of in his pain. This shit pisses me off. <laughs> Number one, we're not a scam. We've served over 1,300 clients in just a couple of years. If we were a scam, those 1,300 clients would have come forward and said, empowered man is a scam. We're not a fucking scam. I don't have to defend that, but it is what it is. Number two, the second part that actually really pissed me off, I don't care, you can call me a scam, whatever. I don't really give a fuck about that. What I really pissed off about was the fact that this man decided to say that we took advantage of him in his pain. Let me tell you something. I have been in the pain that he is in. I've been in the pain even worse. Okay. I've been through the gauntlet of this shit. I was cheated on. I was emotionally abused. I went through all the things. I was abandoned. I was rejected. I went through all of the things that you were going through. Why the fuck would I try to build a business that takes advantage of men going through what I fucking went through and overcame? Who in their right mind would do some shit like that? Maybe a narcissist? I, I don't fucking know. That's not us. That is not what we do at Empowered Man. We want to help you. We want to get you out of your shit. Sometimes that means helping you see that you're in your own fucking way. This man is still in his own fucking way. He's looking for somebody to blame for his situation. And instead of taking responsibility and ownership, he wants to blame other people. And so now he's trying to blame us for taking advantage of him. That's like going to the, the ER in, in, in excruciating pain and then looking at the doctor and saying, you're just trying to take advantage of me. You don't really want to help me. 
Like, how absurd is your thinking when this is how you see the world? That's called victim mindset. When you think that everyone is trying to take advantage of you, especially someone offering help that comes with a financial piece of it, and you think they're trying to take advantage of you. Look, this world is not full of handouts. It costs money to run a business. And, and here's the other truth of it, is that we, we provide a valuable service to men. A valuable service. In fact, so much so that men have paid up to two times what we currently charge for our Thrive program. Two times what we currently charge for our Thrive program. But we kept it at this investment price because we wanted as many men as possible to come in and at the same time for us to be able to run this as a successful business meant that we need to make a profit, right? That's because the value creation, I'm a business owner, an entrepreneur. How about you go to your plumber? How about you go to your doctor? How about you go to your car mechanic and say, hey, you really shouldn't charge me for that because I'm in pain right now. Like you would get laughed out of the hospital. You would get laughed out of whatever, but that's the problem with entitlement in our fucking country is people want fucking handouts. They don't want skin in the game because skin in the game means you're responsible for your own fucking work. At Empowered Men, at Empowered Men, we call men up and out of their shit. We call them to responsibility for their problems. I'm not responsible for what you've done. I'm not responsible for your shit. I'm not responsible for any of those things. What I'm responsible for is owning my shit, is showing up every day for my team, is helping the people that are in our program, right? I am responsible for that. And if you don't want to come in, that's fine. But to sit here and say with the audacity that we are trying to take advantage of you because you're in pain, that's some bullshit. And the final piece of this is that he let his family make the decision for him. His family made the decision for him. How can you be a leader if you let your family, your wife, your kids, your job, your boss make every decision for you? This is the problem with our country. This is the problem with our culture is there is such a vacuum of leadership where men don't know how to make a decision and take responsibility for their decision. I have made both good and bad investments, but the bad investments I've owned, I've invested in coaching that didn't get me what I wanted. And when I really looked at it, it was because I didn't put in the work to get the necessary requirement out of it. You see, when you, when you hire a coach, you have to learn how to extract value. And if you don't know how to extract value, you have to develop the skill of extracting value. But instead, what a lot of guys like to do is say it's a scam, say we're trying to take advantage of you, uh, let other people make the decision. I got to talk to my pastor. I got to talk to God. I got to talk to everyone else. And look, I don't have a problem with you praying. I don't have a problem with you asking for wisdom. But what I have a problem with is you letting them make the decision for you and letting them influence your decision to a point where you can't make the decision because you're a chicken shit and you're a pussy and you don't know how to make a fucking decision. This is me calling men out who are on the fence. This is me calling you out if you're letting everyone else make the decisions for you. And I don't care if it's about joining Empowered Man or, or making decision to move forward in your divorce or making decision to do whatever it is you got to fucking do. 
Stop letting everybody else make the decision for you. And stop assuming that people are just trying to take advantage of you when there's money involved. That's a victim mindset. That's money wounds. That's, that's poverty thinking. If you want to be successful in life, you cannot think that way. If you want to be a leader in life, you cannot think that way. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe this guy doesn't want to be a leader, even though he is a manager in his company. It happens all the time. We have leaders in high levels who don't want to own anything. They want to blame Putin. They want to blame other people. They don't want to fucking take responsibility. Guys, it's time to take responsibility. It's time to take responsibility. Empowered Man was started with the idea of helping other men own their shit, get out of their own way, and become leaders again. We want a movement of men doing that because our country, our world fucking needs it. Our kids need men who are leaders. They don't need passive men. They don't need men who are just so afraid of making a decision that it's going to be a bad decision and they can't move forward and they can't do it. Guys, I make hard decisions all the fucking time. And I agonize over some of those decisions. But I make the decision and I own it and I move on. That's what you do. And if it's a mistake, it's a mistake. You own it and you move on. It's not the end of the world. You joining our, our program is never the end of the world. If you come in and you do the work, you're going to get a return. I 100% guarantee it. I've never once, not once, over 300 men have gone through the Empowered Man Thrive program. Over 300 men and over 1,000 have gone through our 30-day challenge. Not once has a man come in and done all of the work and got to the end and said, I got no value out of it. It wasn't worth it. Not one man. Not one. Because you get out of it what you put into it. So you can either get something out of this, just like you're listening to this podcast, and, and get a return on it and take action on it, or you can just go, hmm, that was a nice message, Mark. That was great. I feel, feel really inspired now. Fucking do something. Do something. Take action today. Stop being a bitch. Do something. Lead. Take responsibility. Make a decision. Take action. Go after it. Get it. Let's go. What's up? All right, all right. So I, I just decided to go live and, and riff on some things that, that my team and I have been talking about um, with things that are happening with you guys and uh, what you're struggling with. Uh, you know, we, we talked to upwards of 25 men, uh, not 25, uh, I'd say anywhere from 10 to 15 men a day who are in the situation that you are in right now, every single day. Um, and then on top of that, we have 80 active clients in our Thrive and Momentum programs, as well as an additional couple hundred in our 30-day challenge. And so we hear the things that, that you guys are struggling with on a regular basis uh, a lot. And so uh, I wanted to talk about this concept called detaching from the outcome. And that is this, you know, just like when I got on here, um, there, there's a certain outcome that I was hoping for, and that's, you know, X amount of people that are watching live but if I got on here and I attached to the outcome of, oh, you know, I want, you know, 50 people watching me live and 50 people don't watch me live, then it could hurt my feelings. It can make me sad. It can make me feel all kinds of things instead of serving and showing up well 
and, and to the people that did show up, I would I would be so attached to the outcome I wanted, I wouldn't be able to serve well. And this is what's happening for so many of you, so many of you, because you come in and you're hurt right now. And in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, you're making the mistakes that are that are coming from that place of hurt and pain instead of detaching from the outcome that you want. Now, what is the outcome that you want? Well, that varies. Most of you here, I would probably say 95 to 98% of you in our Facebook group uh, or listening to my podcast want to save their marriage. That's why you're here. You want to figure out how do I save my marriage? Now, there's a few of you and there's, you know, always a handful of guys who don't necessarily care about saving their marriage and they're just so hurt and so injured and they just want to move on and that's fine. But really for those, and, and really this goes for anyone, what I'm talking about is, is the outcome of saving your marriage. Okay. And if that's your outcome, if your outcome is saving your marriage, number one, you got to define what that outcome even looks like, right? Some of you have not even defined that say, well, what does it mean to save your marriage? Well, it means that like things go back to normal. Well, first of all, things never go back to normal. That's impossible. Even if you were to save your marriage, things would never go back to normal. The reason for that is because you have major trauma that has come into your marriage and this trauma, it's like a big cut. Right. If you ever if you ever got, uh, you know, injured, like where, where you had to have stitches or, you know, some sort of big cut on your arm or your leg or something like your body or even like maybe you went through surgery. Right. And you had a big gash in your stomach. Doctor had to open you up, putting that back together, staples or, or some sort of, you know, I don't even know, stitches or whatever. Your body is never going to be the same again. It's just never going to be the same again. And it's the same with a marriage who's been through, you know, potential divorce, uh, who's been through uh, any type of, you know, affairs or things like that. It's not that it can't get back together. It's that when it goes back together, it's not the same. So here's the thing is that if you have that, you know, as you're in your mind, you don't even know what your outcome is. You have to number one, create an outcome. So creating the outcome looks like going, what does a new marriage look like? You can't save the old, the old is dead. So many of you come in here and you're like, I just want to save my marriage. Let's save my marriage. Dude, you cannot save your marriage. Your old marriage is dead. It's gone. It's done. But what you can do is create a new marriage and creating a new marriage is hard as fuck. It is not easy to do. Creating a new marriage looks like you actually showing up in a new way, right? Let's say you have old habits, old patterns, all those things. You can't show up in your new marriage the same way you showed up in the old marriage. You just can't. That's that's not changing anything. That's not transforming anything. And you go, well, you know, we've got old patterns, old habits. Exactly. And that's why we have our Thrive program. So that we can help you break the old patterns and habits of the past and show up differently in your actual marriage. That's a, that's a contrasting thing. So if you've got this outcome, we've got to clearly define the outcome. So what is your clearly defined outcome? Is your clearly defined outcome just coming back together and making things as if they never existed? Well, I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. So particularly in, in my last marriage, um, this happened multiple times where my ex-wife cheated on me and we went through sort of reconciliation and reconciliation looked like us, you know, kind of coming to grips with what happened and then a lot of prayer and minimal amounts of counseling from pastors. Um, you know, we didn't really go to therapy. We, we just kind of like worked through it ourselves. And we would get to this place, you know, I'd say a couple months in where it would seem like everything was amazing. Everything was better. Everything was just like on a high. 
And some of you experience that high. Some of you experience that like, wow, it's like a new marriage. It's like, it's like starting over and it's like, great. It's amazing. It's got all these great feelings associated with it. But here's the thing is that underneath that, if the real, real core issues haven't been dealt with, if the person who'd done the cheating hadn't dealt with their stuff, if the person who'd been cheated on hadn't dealt with the, the, the forgiveness part of it and, and the healing part of it, they haven't fully dealt with it, it doesn't just go away. What happens is you start to bury it. You start to put it deep below the surface because over time you don't want to deal with it anymore. And especially if you're not going through any type of you know, therapy or, or deep coaching or any type of work like that, you just, you just bury the stuff. And so if that's the outcome you want, number one, I would say that's not a healthy outcome, right? Because that's, that's not an outcome that's going to actually get you anywhere. And then number two, you've got to determine what a healthy outcome looks like. So a healthy outcome looks like is if you want a new marriage, defining what that looks like, that defining a new marriage is really about creating a new marriage where I'm not showing up the way I showed up and she's not showing up the way she showed up. I can't control how she showed up. I can control how I show up. So one of the things we do in Thrive, the very first thing we teach you how to do is communicate. We teach you how to communicate like a leader. Um, we have these different assignments, if you will, we talk about power triangles. We talk about setting the boundary or setting the narrative. Um, you know, all these types of trainings around changing how you communicate as a man in your in your marriage. And not only in your marriage. And this is one of the cool side benefits of Thrive is that most men come in thinking it's about their marriage and it's really not. It's about you as a man in general. And, and we apply it to marriage. We just use marriage as kind of the, the, the sequence of events that you're going through. But then guys will end up applying it into their business. They'll apply it with their children. We have guys all the time talk about dropping power triangles with their children or dropping power triangles at work. It's amazing. So, but this kind of work only comes when you can detach from the outcome. So let's talk about this more. So you have to create what the outcome, the healthy outcome is that you want. So let's say you want a new marriage. Now that you've created that outcome, you have to create a plan and detach. Okay. So creating the plan comes along the lines of if I want a new marriage and this is what I want the new marriage to look like, I can't control how my wife shows up. But what I can do is control how I show up. So what that looks like is me doing the work that I need to do. Some of you are like, well, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to do everything. We talk about this all the time with my, my advisor team and, and my um, specialist, marketing specialist. It's like, if a man comes to you and he's like, man, I'm willing to do anything it takes to, to get my marriage back. And we say, okay, well, it's going to take doing this. Say, you know, we have guys all the time that say, I want to get my marriage back, but we've never seen a man create a new marriage without having done the work on himself. We say, sir, are you willing to do the work on yourself? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've been going to the gym, you know, I, I read books, I read blogs, all those types of things. Yeah, but are you willing to confront the reality that is in you right now? And I'm telling you guys, most men are not willing to confront the reality of who they are. They don't want to look inside and they definitely don't want other people looking inside because of fear. We fear what men and other people will think of us if they knew the true us. I bet you could raise your hand right now if you're watching this live or even on replay and and raise your hand or put something up, comment me, whatever. If you are a guy who is afraid of other men seeing inside of him. If you are a, a, a man who's afraid of other men seeing inside of him, if that's you, put your hand up, say me. There's nothing wrong with that. But first thing you have to do is admit that you're that guy. Admit that you're that you're a man that that is afraid of other men looking inside of you and and getting to know the real you because that real you is intimacy 
And that real you is what is what we crave. Men crave intimacy. We crave it. We desire it. We, we desire to be known and to know. But we don't know what to do with that because we're still afraid of it. We're still afraid that if someone looks inside of me, they're going to see ugly. They're going to see something that nobody else wants to see. And so we have to create a plan to move towards the outcome. So the plan looks like working on myself. What does working on myself look like? Working on yourself is an emotional thing. It's not as physical. I mean, it can be physical. You can go to the gym and those things are important. It is spiritual as well. Um, you know, if you have a faith background or, or, or some sort of faith thing, you might want to involve way more prayer and scripture and things of that nature in what you do. But Empowered Man, what we talk about is more the emotional side of things and, and, and really understanding who we are as men, really understanding how we've shown up in this marriage, the, the failures of how we contributed to the failure of the marriage. That's the hard work. You cannot have an outcome of saving your marriage if you yourself are not willing to look deep within and understand how you failed in this marriage. We have a lot of guys that come to us and, and I, I call it the shit don't stink guy where they go, well, my wife cheated on me or, well, you know, this this happened and and, you know, it, it's all her and she's abusive and she's toxic and she and she and she and she, and she hitting that she button. And you know my feelings and thoughts about the she button. The she button is just a convenient way for you to ignore the responsibility that you have in your marriage. It's just a convenience factor. And it's and it's what we're conditioned to do as men because we've been blaming women since the Garden of Eden. You know, when, when Adam sinned against God and, and God said, Adam, what did you do? And he's like, it was the woman you gave me. Basically, like, she made me do it. <laughs> You know, she gave me the apple. I didn't, I didn't go do this. This was this was on her. And so we've been blaming wives. We've been blaming women since day one, since day one when sin entered the world. And so we're conditioned already to blame our wives. So it makes total sense when you got when a guy comes in here and he's been hurt, he's been sinned against, he's been offended, he's all those things. And he comes in here and he wants to blame her. The number one thing you have to do to work on yourself is to stop blaming your wife. I'm going to say that again. If you want to work on yourself, the number one thing you've got to stop doing is blaming your wife. It is impossible, absolutely impossible for you to move forward, for you to be a leader, for you to do anything of powerful consequence if you continuously are blaming your wife for the situation and the circumstance you're in. Gentlemen, I have been through the gauntlet personally. I have I was married for 17 years. I experienced almost everything you can experience. And I don't like talking about the things that I went through with my wife or my ex-wife uh, because it's not my job to throw her under the bus. But I can guarantee if you piece together my story, you've heard certain things that I've experienced that I, I have every reason to have blamed her. Every reason I could blame her. It was her you know, decision. It was her things. And, and so she made me divorce her basically. And, and I could tell you stories for days around some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, after I did the work, after I did the work and I really looked at myself, I said, Mark, you contributed just as much to the failure of the marriage as she did. In fact, I take full ownership of the failure of the marriage. I take full ownership.
Number one, I chose this woman. Number two, I asked her to marry me. Number three, I tolerated and allowed things and behaviors and patterns to, to evolve over 17 years. That was on me. Number four, I treated her and showed up in a way that wasn't healthy. And number five, I own everything because I am the leader. And as I said a couple of weeks ago in one of my podcasts, that there's no such thing as bad marriages, only bad husbands. And I firmly believe that as a, as a husband now in a new marriage with a new woman, I, I know that if the marriage goes bad, it's on me. It's not on her. It is on me. I must take responsibility. I must do that because if I don't take responsibility, I cannot lead. How many of you like hearing, uh, you know, our president now blaming other people or even other president, you know, last president did the same thing. How many of you like hearing leaders blame their people? or blame other people for the circumstances and situations they're in. It's the market's problem. It's it's my employee's problem. It's, it's all these other people's faults instead of them. It's like, when will somebody stand up and take responsibility? When will leaders start to stand up and take responsibility? We live in a, a shook them off culture, a, a blame other people culture because we don't have a leader, a strong leadership culture. There's a vacuum of leadership in our world. And that's why we have a lot of the problems that we have because we don't know how to own our shit. So if you want to detach from the outcome, if you want to be a man that creates a new marriage, and you, that means you have to work on yourself in order to create a new marriage with your wife, the number one thing you've got to do is stop blaming her for all the shit. And number two, you've got to, you've got to like work on yourself emotionally. Looks like you getting better at how you show up. That looks like you coming to communicate with her in such a way that's powerful, that's like a leader that's humble, that's that's empathetic, that has that has strong boundaries in different areas to make sure that that you as a team are going in, in an effective way. Essentially, it comes back to this is that you can't have any power in your in your marriage without humility. And you can't work on yourself without humility. So, so many of you come in here and like, oh, I'm working on myself. I'm working on myself. It's bullshit. You're not working on yourself. You're telling yourself a story because it's comfortable. You're telling yourself a story that, well, if I go to the gym or if I read these blogs, if I read these books, if I do these things, then you're working on yourself. No, you're doing some things that may bring some improvement. And maybe you even join like my 30-day challenge or something like that. But those are just like basic, basic elements and not every guy wants to work on himself at the level that I work on myself. Not every guy wants to continuously get better and improve himself for the long term. Not every man wants that. And I get that. I totally get that. That's why our Thrive program is not for every man, right? But our Thrive program specifically is for men who've decided they want to detach from the outcome of saving the marriage. They still want to save the marriage, but they want to detach from the outcome of saving the marriage. They want to do the work on themselves so that they can show up more powerfully with their wife, their children, and their job, because this affects everything you do, and and detach from the outcome and move forward. That's that's who our Thrive program is for. So we're talking about detaching from the outcome and creating this this sort of I don't even know if I'd want to call it a, a, a bucket of of stuff, but but essentially you create a plan, and that plan comes starts with looking at your own like actual outcome that you want, having a healthy outcome, uh, creating a plan to get there, right? And so the plan to get there is by working on myself and, de and then detaching from the outcome. So I work on myself, then I detach. Detachment looks like knowing the goal 
and understanding what it is that you want, but detaching emotionally from the consequence of it. So if I detach emotionally from it, that means that it has no bearing on me what happens. So even though I want to win the World Series and I do all the work to win the World Series, I can't control if I win the World Series. I just can't. The same with the Super Bowl, the same with any other winning thing. So any athletes will tell you this. This is where this comes from in athletics is that I can create a goal to win the championship, but every year only one team is going to win the championship. And so if I'm so attached to that outcome that I can't function, that I can't think, that that I get so mad, that I get so worked up over these things, I'll never fully embrace and enjoy the process. This is the hard part because what you want to do a lot of times, this is, this is how we operate is, is we want to just like put our head down and like do everything we can to win, do everything we can to make her come back to the marriage. We want to send her flowers. We want to tell her I love her. We want to, we want to analyze every single conversation and we want to do all of these things because we're trying to control and manipulate the outcome. And that's what we're wired to do is to control and manipulate the outcome. But we have to unwire, rewire, if you will, our mindset into a place of I'm detaching from this. I want it, but I'm detaching emotionally from this outcome. And as much as I want to be married, I know I'm going to be okay if I'm no longer married. I know that this this will not kill me. This will not end me. This will not... Uh, this will not alter my future. In fact, my future will continue to get better. When I when I filed for divorce from my ex-wife, I said, you know, I was 40 years old. It was an opportunity for me to become the most powerful version of myself ever. And I became that man. If you would have known me five, 10 years ago, you'd be like, this dude's weak. This dude's a beta bitch. And you hear me now and you're like, why is he so strong and why is he so loud and why does he use the f word so much and why does he because i have been through the fire and when you've been through the fire and you come out the other side you come out a completely different man and, and it's not to say that you know if i was taking a score right i financially make more money i have a better wife i have a better home life situation my kids love me more uh, i have all the things i am i am in the best place i have ever been in my life after divorcing my wife. That doesn't mean I tell you go divorce your wife. But what it means is that you're going to be okay, regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens. If you bring her back, if you bring her back and, 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 and she's back in the marriage, but if you haven't changed, it won't change anything. What you'll do is continue to bury the stuff until it comes back out again. It's like that beach ball analogy where you try to take the beach ball and try to shove it under the water. It takes a lot of work to keep that thing under there, but eventually it pops back up. Why? This is what happens in marriages that don't actually deal with the shit. And I'm not talking about her shit. I'm talking about your shit because I can't control what she does. What I can't control is what I teach you. And what you can control is how you show up and how you decide, do I want to deal with this beach ball or do I want to just shook it off and blame her? It's totally up to you. I got a question here. Any tips on how to detach from the outcome? It's extremely desired, like emotional and physical intimacy. I mean, all that is generally comes back to is, is almost like a physiological addiction in a sense that over time, the, the further away you, you get from that person or that thing, the, the less it's there. I, I remember not having sex with my wife was, it was hard. It was very hard. 
and 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 I failed a couple times in going back um, into you know having a relationship or having sex with her, and it was hard because I I couldn't see I couldn't like not have it right like I was just so but I but I made up my mind and said I'm not going to treat her transactionally I'm not going to let her be a means to an end for me that's not how I want to show up and so my value superseded my desire. So Dirk, to answer your question, when your values supersede your desire, that's what happens. That that's how you win, um, because your value has to be stronger than just feeling like I need this person. You don't need anything. You don't need anyone. You need you need intimacy for sure in in terms of emotional and physical intimacy over long term. Um, I don't think though that you need sex in order to survive. Um, I do think there are people who have the gift of not having sex. And I do think also that it's it's a healthy thing to take a break from it, um, especially if it's consuming you, um, you know, in, in terms of her. So it's definitely possible. But detaching from the outcome is all about emotional detachment. There's frameworks that we can that we can give you. There's there's things that we can talk about with it. But but what I really want to hone in on the fact is that is that you have to detach. Like you cannot try to control her if you want to stay married to her. You know, like I posted earlier this morning and uh, I'm going to send an email about it where we had a guy today, matter of fact, on the phone with my advisors is like, I want to do this program. I want to do it, but, but I don't want her to find out. I'm afraid that if she finds out that she's going to divorce me or that she's going to file for divorce or that she's going to leave sooner or, or whatever. And all that is, is manipulation. It's manipulation because we don't know what to do with the fact that that this person is rejecting us. And so we have to try to get our healthy needs met in unhealthy ways, which is what manipulation is. It's getting healthy needs met in an unhealthy way. The healthy need is for, you know, love and it's for intimacy and it's for affection. Right. And so and the the unhealthy part of that is going if I manipulate her to make her stay with me, then I won't lose those things. And that's why you do what you do. And all of that, a lot of that's based in ego, which I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about ego and the effect it has on you because it's the enemy. We've got another question. How do you personally deal with an ex who talks about divorce but hasn't filed yet? What do we do personally? I personally just haven't brought it up again. Um, that's kind of a, a hard question to answer like in, in that short of a sentence. But essentially, Michael, what you're saying is that she's communicating to you that she wants a divorce hasn't filed anything. She's trying to tell you that she's got needs. She's trying to tell you that there's things going on that she's not happy about. Um, and by you not bringing it up is just basically, again, burying it, acting like it's not happening and it's happening. You're just in denial. Um, uh, look, women leave men two to three years before they actually leave men, meaning emotionally they leave upwards of two to three years before they actually file for divorce, or before they actually move out. So if she's talking about divorce, She's already emotionally divorced you more than likely. Um, so not talking about it isn't doing anything. And that's that's my point here. And what you guys are doing and going through is that is that instead of you actually dealing with the issue, what you're doing is bearing it. What you're doing is shooking it off to something else. You're not being leaders. You're not being leaders. And that's what I'm here to do is empower you to be a leader in your relationship, to be a leader in your life. That's the vision of empowered man is to, is to help thousands, millions of men thrive in every dimension of life. And this is just one of those dimensions. So Michael's follow-up to that was she told her parents, I've made promise I haven't kept. 
but I've opened up with what I've done wrong on my side. Yeah, that really doesn't matter. I mean, again, it, this is this is the same thing that that I hear all the time where guys like, but I own my shit. No, 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 no. Owning your shit is a lifestyle. It's not a one time I said sorry, because sorry doesn't fix anything. If you've broken trust, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to earn it back. So if she's saying that you've made promises you haven't kept. Again, I don't know. I, I don't know the situation other than what you're telling me. All I can say is you owning it is is a lifestyle of it. And not only that, but you can't change how she feels about it. Just because you own your shit doesn't mean she's just going to go, oh, well, you owned it. You said you're sorry. So I, we're good now. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't be so immature and, and, and childish to think that just because you apologize to your wife, you think that she's just going to be like, oh, okay, I forgive you and it's all over. It's not a fucking movie. Like, you guys aren't living in a movie. This is reality. This isn't a fantasy. This isn't some Netflix, you know, rom-com or some shit. This is reality. And the reality is when a woman has been hurt and is offended, deep down inside, she cuts off emotional connection from you. And more than likely, she'd been trying for years to emotionally connect to you. But because you don't know how to communicate, because you don't have boundaries, because you don't understand how to articulate what you need, because you refuse to get help for it, she said, fine, I'm done. And it's like, now you want to fix it? It's obnoxious as fuck when a man does that. So it's like you have to respect the fact that she has tried and tried and tried and is now saying, I, there's nothing I can do. I don't want to be with you anymore. And you have to accept that. And you have to go, you know what? I understand. I see your point. I see how I did not show up. It fucking hurts. Of course it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Guys, I know it hurts. I've lived through this pain, this rejection, this abandonment. I understand it hurts, but that hurt can turn you into a new man if you choose it to be. Look, I've seen it go one way or the other. You either become a bitter, nasty man or you become an empowered man. That's it. That is totally it. You're either going to be jaded and bitter or you're going to be empowered and full of power, confidence and freedom. But it's up to you to choose what you want to do. It's totally up to you to choose what you want to do. So detaching from the outcome, guys, I want you to really focus on detaching from the outcome and working on yourself. Working on yourself looks like this, owning your shit, taking care of the things that you need to take care of, taking care of your kids, right? Being the best father for them, showing up for them, not talking about mom to them, not talking shit about her or her new boyfriend or any of those things, keeping that out of it right? It, it comes down to you doing the inner work on yourself where you look inside, where you open up the heart and go, what in me needs to grow? What in me needs to transform? What in me needs to change? To those of you who married a really toxic woman, what in you attracted that woman? That was me. I, I attracted a toxic person in my life. And I've had to do the work on understanding the, the, the sort of the ego side of me or the things inside of me that attracted her in a negative way the savior side of me, wanting to be a savior to her. All of those things have to get dealt with. So that in my future and, and now in my current marriage, I, I'm not the savior. I'm not that same guy. I don't show up the same way. And I didn't attract a toxic person. I attracted a very healthy person because that's what I desired. If that's what you desire, guys, you've got to do the work. You've got to stop trying to manipulate everything. And you've got to stop trying to control her and what is going on. I leave you with this. Man, if you want true transformation, you need to level up your atmosphere. 
You need to level up who is around you. Look, I don't care if your dad's been divorced. I don't care if your friends have been divorced. I don't care if your pastor has been divorced. I don't care who these people are. None of these people are professionals. And what I mean by that is that they are not paid to help men in these specific situations where they're facing separation or divorce in this critical time where one wrong move could change the, the, the outcome, right? And again, it's not about controlling the outcome, but it's about making sure that you're living the way you need to live right now and doing the things that you need to do. You're getting a ton of bad advice right now, tons of bad advice. Every day I hear bad advice from, from well-meaning friends. Oh, you should leave her ass. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. An empowered man, we're not about giving advice. We're about helping empower you to show you what you need to do because you have the answers with it. Guys come, should I divorce my wife? Dude, that's not on me. <laughs> that's on you. You have to make that decision, but you're too afraid to make the decision. So I'm going to empower you with the things you need to know of how to make that decision so that you can make that decision for you and your family and your kids for yourself. What good does it for me to be this guru who just tells you what to do and then you didn't actually grow through this. No, I want to create empowered men, men who are empowered in every dimension of life, men who are, who are growing as fathers, men who are growing as business leaders, men who are growing in their wealth, men who are growing in their health, men who are doing these things because they've decided they don't want to be slaves or victims anymore, that they want to be powerful, the most powerful version of themselves. If you want to get in a community of men who are empowered, if you want to get around other guys, Hey, the free Facebook group is a great place to be. My podcast is a great place to be, but none of that's going to transform you to the level of what we have in our Thrive program. It is a 90-day program specifically designed for men who are wanting to transform into the most powerful version of themselves, to learn how to communicate like leaders, to diffuse the power that their wife has over them, to learn how to own their shit and heal from the pain they're going through, and to become the CEO of their life for the first time ever, ever ever guys i'm inviting you into that if that's you if you're the kind of man you're like dude i don't even know how much it costs i don't i don't even know if i can do it but i want that if that's you put thrive down below one of my guys is gonna is gonna check in with you have a quick conversation see what see what's going on in your life help you get value our conversations are always valuable whether you come into thrive or not you're gonna get value out of it i can tell you how many times we've had guys get on the phone with our guy and they're like man i can't do this right now but that was a super valuable conversation because that's what we want to do. So we want to help you make the best decision for you. You can either continue doing this without help and keep trying to spin your wheels, or you can get the help you need that's going to get you there the fastest way possible. So if I were you, I'd stop spinning my wheels and I would get in this train right now. If that's you, put Thrive down below. You can always comment and replay afterwards. See you guys. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. I've got a question for you guys, and this is a fun one. This is, this is even funner, more fun, funner, more fun than the last question. Okay? You ready for this? Worst kiss or makeout session ever. Go. You got to describe the kiss and describe the girl. I got it. All right. I got it. All right. I was at a music festival. Okay. It was like an, an EDM type of music festival. Um, it was in San Diego. It was in downtown San Diego at the Hard Rock Hotel. And it was just a regular Friday night. 
and I was walking in, I was with my boys at the time. And at the time I had, I can hear that staying alive, staying alive. That's what I felt like, dude. I felt like I was on top of the world because at the time we San Diego protein was sponsoring the event. So like we had like a table, people were being given donuts around. So I felt like the man, although no one knew I was the guy, but it was exciting to be there. So we had a bunch of people at our table and I'm talking to this woman who up until this experience, I had shiny object syndrome. And anyone who doesn't know what that is, think about when you see a shiny object, you're in awe of someone. Yes. You start to ideate and tell yourself the story of how amazing it's going to be. All right. So about how tall? Uh, she was shorter than I was. So she was about 5'7", wearing heels. Um, still shorter than I was. She was at about eye height. I had to lean boobs. down. Boobs? Oh, she was fake boobs. Uh, she was oh, in the fake fitness industry. Are you a fake boob guy? No, not oh. at all. I actually don't like it. Um, she was an IFBB pro in the bikini okay. arena. Yeah. I'm not going to say her name. Um, no. Okay. No, I wouldn't say her name um, because she's actually like had a great career for herself there. And we're still on great terms. Um, but if she hears this, this is the truth of what happened that evening. Um, so we're chatting and like things are going well. And I have this rule. Um, and I don't think you guys have seen this rule cause I don't drink tequila with you guys anymore. Anytime I'm with you, I drink bourbon, but I had yep. this rule. I used to do tequila sodas and I would tell the bartender after four, only give me soda water. I would tip them right then like 20 bucks after four, only give me soda water. And I obviously tip them each time after that, but I want to make sure like, hold me accountable if I don't hold myself accountable. So I'm like sobering up a little bit. And you know, that point when you drink a little too much and you're like, man, I, I need to bring myself back. I was to that point. And I was literally like two options right now. I either lean in and I chat with her a little bit more or I Irish goodbye. And I just take off and I fucking go home. Those are my two options right now. Irish goodbye. Got yeah. It. Irish exit. Irish goodbye. And so I, I end up turning to her and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be honest. I really want to connect with you. And uh, in this moment, um, I'm trying to sober up a little bit. And she turns to me, grabs my face and she's like, you're so cute. And I looked at her and I was like, you are too. Is it okay if I kiss you? Because I think consent is a good thing, um, especially in this age and era that we're in. No, real shit. Like I always ask yes. for consent. I always do. I think it's an attractive thing. Um, and so she's like, oh, you're adorable. Yes. So I go to kiss her. And right as I get close, and man, I'm sorry if she hears this, right as I get close, the smell, the odor of like cigarettes and what smelled like rotten, like just rotten was present. Like and too? Had she been eating pussy? No, dude, like rotten. I'm talking like rotten, like like dirt. Like the other, I would have been. Oh. I would have probably been like. Oh, that's interesting. Like, that's interesting. I've smelled that before. Would have out. Up and been like, this oh, the work. I have questions after. <laughs> questions. Um, Where's so, she at? Dude, I start. I start going into, it and I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe that's just like an auditory smell that I got as I'm like going in, because there's thousands of people around us, and we're close to the stage, and I'm thinking, who knows what's happening here? It's Hard Rock Hotel, and Hard Rock Hotel in San Diego has got some skeletons in the closet. What happens if that 
that place. They got a pool, they got a co-ed bathrooms, all kinds of stuff oh, that you have. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. We'll go there sometime. But it ended up being her because then she tries to give me a little tongue. And this felt like sandpaper, sandpaper. And it tastes like cigarette butts. I didn't even see this woman smoking the cigarette at all. So I'm like baffled. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So I ended up turning to her and I stopped her and I was like, hey, this is great, but I'm going to be honest. And I acted like I was going to be sick. And I left. Oh. <laughs> I walked away. I went to the bathroom. I waited. Dude, I literally, I had my watch at the time and I was like, Siri, start a timer for seven minutes. And I sat there in the bathroom because I was like, who's going to wait for seven minutes? Like, she's got to be on one. She's got to already be like back with their friends. No, dude. I go to walk out. Security standing outside the door. And he's like, hey, are you Joey? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, so-and-so told me to wait here for you to make sure you were okay. She wanted me to give this to you. And it's her phone number. And it says, text me when you're done. We're staying in room number, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, fuck. Like, she put something in place. She knew she wasn't going to stay here. So she put something in place. And so I ended up going home because I just didn't want to be out anymore. I didn't want to happen to run into her or any of her friends. And I didn't want to address it. And I was also kind of tired. So I ended up texting her the next day. Hey, my phone died. Sorry, I never got back to you. Bro, I never got a text back. Never got anything back. I've never shared that story ever. Um, we've spoken since then. I just told her I wasn't feeling it. I think we both weren't in the right place. But truth be told, it felt like I was kissing an ashtray mixed with sandpaper, mixed with like sewage. And you got a, and you got a quick one? Uh, yeah, I mean, mine's not, I guess, compared to that, like, of course, you gotta go Joey first, right? Like, Joey's like up here. It was not. Mine was probably, it's hard to think of, but high school, senior year, we're uh, having a little party at my parents' house, because my parents were like, those parents were like, hey, if you're gonna drink, we don't want to know, but put the keys away. So, um... We were doing whatever, and downstairs in my bedroom is in the basement. So downstairs, hanging out, and I go to the bathroom, take a piss. I come out, and this girl that's a year younger than me just meets me at the door. And she just grabs me and starts making out with me. Like, I was like, whoa, what is going on? But it wasn't like it, it wasn't, and the, the, that was bad. And then the kiss was even worse. Like, there's a lot of tongue, a lot of teeth, which is weird as fuck. Uh. I've bought with someone before. That's a weird yeah. Hey, don't steal my story. I want to talk about that. Jeez, <laughs> go ahead. So, I mean, that's my story. Like, I was just like dumbfounded. I was like, all right, I guess. And then it was just like an awful, like just whole scenario. I was like, yeah, we got to go out there. And I got friends here. So we just walked out of my bedroom and just kind of forgot about it the rest of the night. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My, I. It's funny because like when you think about, okay, how many girls I've kissed and like the worst ones. Uh, there's probably like a list of them that are like pretty bad or like, uh, they were good. I consider myself a good kisser. I've always told that I'm a good kisser. And so like, I have high standards and I remember kissing this girl. And, um, this was, uh, in my dating stage a couple years ago. And, uh, she, um, she had buck teeth and, um, 
you know, she was kind of, uh, how do I say this? Like, she was cute, you know, she wasn't like super attractive. I have a very wide, like, if anybody goes, what's Mark's type? Mark's type is very broad. Like, I don't have a specific type. If I find you attractive, it's usually because I mix a personality and then just your, you know, some of your look or whatever. And obviously there's some girls I'm just not going to be into. Um, but I remember we, we were sitting outside of my bachelor pad and we started kissing and, um, it, she had those buck teeth and like, every time I'd go for like tongue or whatever, it was like the buck teeth kept getting in the way. <laughs> so it was like, ah, uh, uh, I'm just like hitting my, I, 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 I was like, I'm not feeling this. You know, I was like, like she wanted to, I wanted to, but like the, we were both kind of like, I think we both kind of felt like this wasn't really happening. Like it just wasn't like what we thought, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't totally into her. I think I was just like, yeah, let's just see where this goes. <laughs> I'm a bachelor. <laughs> like what happens next? You know? And um, that was, that was a bad one. Yeah. I mean, like there's other, there's been other girls where like their mouths are like super small mm-hmm. and like, it's almost like kissing a fish at first. And then like, they don't have a big mouth. And then you're thinking to yourself, I wonder what that's going to be like but I won't say exactly, but ends up being pretty good. It ends up being really good. And you go, oh, okay. So small mouths aren't so bad. Um, you know, it's tight, so it's good. But uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, on, on to the next bourbon moment. You know what's, I just want to add on to that. It's funny, like as you get older, when you start to have these bad experiences, you start to dissect things. Like does someone that have small lips make them less yes. able to kiss in a second. And I started thinking about those things and I'd be lying if I said, that's not like a litmus test that I used in the past where I'm like, Oh, small lips. Nope. Oh yeah. I mean, if they're too small, then they're probably too small. And then if they're too big, they're probably, it's probably too big. It's definitely uh, can be a case for sure. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.